Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for joining us here on the program as we get set to dive into another fun subject here on this program that brings you new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We uh, also podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and other locations. Way too many to 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 mention here on the program, but uh, we certainly encourage you to do so. Uh, to check out um, check out all of the good stuff that we have to offer to you on the uh, video casts as well. Same thing there at YouTube. And uh, you can go to the YouTube channel or any of the other channels, uh, as I've already mentioned, for the podcasts. And um, we hope that you'll do that. Also, hope that you'll spend some time going within, listening to that still, small voice, and just kind of being peaceful in that uh, quiet, peaceful, calm space uh, during this, the decade of perfect vision. Uh, and uh, then if you'd like to support the work that we are doing, if you can do so, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, then uh, all you have to do is go to PayPal. It's there for your security as well as ours. And when you do uh, submit uh, a, a contribution, which we are so grateful for, they're going to ask you for an email to whom to send it to. That's right, to whom to send it to. And uh, that's Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. With all of that said, we have a very special guest here on the program. Her name is Karen Hendrick. KarenHendrick.com, and we're going to talk about uh, her latest work, Psychology of the Soul and the Paranormal, Developing a Richer Appreciation for Life Through Spiritual Experience. And of course, over the last uh, couple of years, many people have experienced grief and loss uh, in one form or another, and the overwhelming anxiety, fear, and depression surrounding grief and loss can keep a person stuck in negative patterns that affect their entire lives. And while some people experience uh, deeper levels of these patterns, such as addiction and substance abuse, more and more people are reporting to have had a spiritual experience that has transformed their lives for the better. Karen, thank you so much for joining us here on the program to talk about this. Well, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Well, Karen has spent, uh, well, decades researching spiritual phenomenon and how this information impacts mental health and overall well-being and the need for education, mental health professionals, uh, for educating mental health professionals on these uh, experiences. Now, first of all, I am glad that you make reference to, and I'm glad you use the term, mental health and mental wellness, as opposed to the other way around, uh, mental disorders, uh, mental disease, that kind of thing that is sort of um, trying to pinpoint, you know, what the heck is your problem kind of thing. Whereas um, we've been through, oh my gosh, each one of us has been through the ringer, so to speak. Folks, if you don't know what the ringer is, Google it has to do with uh, washing in days gone by. Um, the whole aspect of dealing with the spiritual realm 
here in this in this the material world as I'll, I'll put it that way um do you think that a lot of folks have been having these experiences but they are at such a level of awareness and understanding that for them it's just normal. Whereas for some folks who are just in the workaday world, nine to five kind of thing, uh, their main concern is putting food on the table, gas in the car, keeping a roof over the head, et cetera. And they have something like this. It kind of freaks them out. Um, well, let's see. The statistic is, and I just want to correct. My name is Herrick, H-E-R-R-I-C-K. I stand corrected. Karen okay. Herrick. That's good. Okay, so um, they say 40 to 50% of the population in the United States and Great Britain are having some type of spiritual experience. Um, I don't think most people know what that entails. Um, and sometimes they feel like it might be mental illness and so they don't talk about it. For instance, somebody who has a near death experience, um, which that term was coined in 1975 by Raymond Moody. Uh, so it's certainly been around uh, enough um, the average time for somebody to talk about that experience is seven years after they have it. Oh, wow. So they walk around, you know, thinking that they're crazy and trying not to act crazy, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And um, and then um, their uh, divorce rate is 79%. Uh, somebody who's had a near death, mainly because when they come back, they're so excited about the light and the people they saw and, um, they talk about it all the time. And so their um, their wife, their spouse, their husband, they don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore. It doesn't make sense. And I, you know, it's nuts. And uh, just stop talking about it. So um, their values change. They want usually better relationships, whatever that means to them. They don't know, but they're going to find out. So um, the values change. And maybe they don't want to be like an architect and make over, you know, 100 grand a year. Maybe they want to go down and you know, work at the local hospital and help people who are having these kinds of experiences. And mm -hmm. so then, you know, people in their family aren't happy because their standard of living is going to change. And what do you mean? I mean, you're really acting crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I also know too, that some folks who have um, experienced some of these traumas, um, that kind of put them in that that place uh, a vulnerability is that is that a fair assessment with with everything we've been through let's just say in the last three three to four years um that some people they're kind of raw and they're very vulnerable and i don't want to say that they're open it's just that by by virtue of their vulnerability they're open to these experiences and not that they're asking for them per se Right. Okay. So open, that's a good word. Um, people that come from a dysfunct dysfunctional family are more open uh, to have a spiritual experience because um, they've had more trauma. Uh, maybe they've been beaten. Maybe they've been incested. Maybe their parents were alcoholic, uh, you know, very chaotic. You can't depend on one day after another what's going to happen. Um, so those people learn how to disassociate as children and on up. And so then if they're in a car accident, they're going to disassociate and leave their body easier than um, somebody who just came from a family where everybody was, you know, kind of nice. And, you know, we didn't have every day being different like a Holocaust. 
Mm. So um, if you can disassociate easier from coming from trauma, you have a better chance of having a spiritual experience. It's almost um, a gift um, that they get. And my definition of a spiritual experience, one, is a transcendent relationship between a person and a higher being, sometimes going beyond a religious affiliation. So nobody in your religion has told you something like this could happen, but you're like in awe because it did happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, know, you saw this being um, maybe angel or somebody with light around their face. So you couldn't even tell who it was, but you certainly knew it was somebody very spiritual and important. And mm -hmm. they said important things to you or you met your grandparents or, or all kinds of people that have gone before us or are now spirits. And um, and it was lovely. There was music and pretty flowers, and it smelled good. And, and and they were in the clairvoyant reality. And that's something you and I are talking today in the sensory reality. Um, everything is, you know, black and white and past, present, and future. But the clairvoyant reality is where these things happen. So you can have precognition and seeing angels and seeing your loved ones that have been um, are deceased. Um, all these different things and usually only happens to one person at a time. So we don't have a lot of people watching this happen. Mm. And um, and so now we have developed characteristics for different kinds of spiritual experiences. Um, so we can tell you if you come in, I mean, if if a if a therapist is trained in that way um, and that's what I uh, am doing with my webinars online. Uh, different therapists come on and um, they learn about the different kinds of spiritual experiences. They learn about just like what I said about the near death people, you know, 79% get divorced and nobody wants to talk about it for seven years or a lot of years. And um, so then they know as therapists, they have to be more validating um, and they have to know a little bit about these types of experiences that can happen. Mm. So I, I hope to keep teaching larger and larger groups about it. We are talking with Reverend Karen E. Herrick, Ph.D., LCSW, LMSW, uh, and then she has some others there, completed her master's degree at Rutgers in uh, social work and uh, a Ph.D. at, at uh, Union uh, Institute and University. She's the founder of the Center for Ch children of alcoholics and has shared her clinical experience for 30 years in private practice by lecturing on dysfunctional addiction, addictive homes, uh, uh, disassociation and grief, as well as loss. Um, we're talking with her and we're talking with her here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with uh, Reverend Karen Herrick. And uh, we are talking about, well, the paranormal. It is, uh, 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 doctor, it is not, or reverend, I should say, reverend doctor. I'm reverend Dr. D uh, for uh, uh, Dr. D Dugan. But um, this is not an area that I've really delved into much in the 15 years I've been doing this program. It's not that I haven't felt it wasn't important. It was just, it seemed like most of the time when people want to talk about the paranormal, it's like the ghosts and evil spirits and all of that kind of stuff, moving stuff and those kinds of events that you see in a lot of the horror movies 
uh, that are out these days. But that's not the perspective that you're coming from when you're talking about psychology of the soul and the paranormal. That's not that's not your definition, is it, per se? No, uh, I'm coming from uh, our psychological, spiritual ancestors, William James, who is the father of American psychology, and he uh, studied mediumship um, in um, you know the early years, early 1900s, due um, mainly to the fact that he and his wife lost a toddler child, and so Mrs. James went to different um, mediums because that's what you did then. Um, mediumship was really big from you know. Um, uh, the last part of 1800s to like 1910, 1929. Um, and and she pulled him along and they found Lenora Piper, who was his white crow because she was so right on and gave such um, current and useful information. And then they studied uh, mediums at uh, Massachusetts General. They called them mental healers. And um, I do recommend uh, for clients that are in chronic grief, that they have a medium visit and um, go and see which loved one is going to come in and talk to them so that they can connect this bond that they, they think they've lost uh, with their loved one. And um, then Carl Jung, who's another spiritual ancestor from Switzerland, and he developed analytical psychology. His mom was psychic and his grandfather was uh, also psychic and had a second wife and they would sit at lunch and talk to the first wife who was on the other side. Um, so Jung watched all this and he was used to all these different levels of consciousness. So he believed in mediumship also a little different than James, but they both believed in it. Excuse me. So anyway, you don't, when you go to a college and learn about psychology, you don't learn about this part, hmm. which I think is so unfair that both of them were trying to teach us, um, that uh, we can talk to spirits and that um, most spirits are usually good. Now, Jung believed that if there were trickster kind of spirits, they were just immature people, uh, which makes so much sense, who are out there kind of messing around and um, they haven't seen the light and they haven't gone toward it yet. Um, so he just made it so real and so down to earth. And there's so much, um, what I wanna say, uh, knowledge that have co that has come from mediums uh, that have written about different spirits that have come in. And there were psychologists in England and the United States, and they would sit in on these seances. This was before television, when you know you didn't have anything else to do anyway. So uh, <laughs> where what the spirit said, and and very um, you know well-known spirits who died came in and um, and said what it's like over there on the other side. So we have lots of research. Um, I don't think this research will ever be done in a lab that you could you could say, oh, I want to see my deceased mother and she's going to come in a laboratory. I don't think so. You're going to see her in your bedroom where you're connected by a loving connection. And so we need more clairvoyant researchers also to really study and let you know that spirits are just people who don't have bodies anymore and they can um, they don't talk, but they can send you thoughts and they do send us thoughts daily. Uh, and especially if, you know, they love you and they're worried about you and love is the greatest connection there is. It's the highest level of energy. And that's what attracts um, the spirit to you. And Jung believed that the deceased wanted to come back to help you. And it would also help them because at one number one, it gives them a purpose. 
lots of spirits have unfinished business. Maybe they were taken too soon and they have things they want to tell you. You know, some spirits just want to tell you like your grandmother where she hid the money in the attic. Don't sell the house till we find the money. I mean, we've had all kinds of uh, messages like that come through um, to mediums and psychics. And it's very exciting, uh, really, when you get to um, not be afraid and know that they're just people. Well, uh, and, and the reality is, of course, that they once were actual physical people uh, right. inhabiting bodies. Um, I had an experience, and I guess this could be considered paranormal. My uh, my eldest sister passed away just about a year ago uh, at the end of March of 2022. And um, I got the phone call. At first, I thought they were going to tell me it was my father. And after the initial shock, um, I started hearing her voice basically saying, hey, Richard, it's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's good. Now, the the uh, uh, great thing for me was that I was able to have a conversation with her in January of last year, prior to her passing, asking her point blank, uh, and I found out later that she did not shy away from the tough questions. I said, are you ready? And she said, <laughs> ironically, yes and no. I'm going, what? Come on. Yes and no. She says, no, because I don't want to leave my husband behind, which I understood. But she said, I'm not afraid. I'm ready. And I'm wondering if that's sort of the, uh, I don't know if I want to say goal necessarily, but for lack of a better word, uh, through the work that you're doing with some folks, not everybody, to demystify and to help them to not fear death. Yes. Because that's one of the biggest issues. Uh, my, my, my father, he is, he is uh, um, 91 and not doing so well. Uh, we don't know that he's going to make it another six months. I don't know if he's afraid. I haven't had a chance to ask him. Uh, but it, I'm not. It's like if today's my day, uh, Karen... I'm I'm good. Is there more I want to do? Oh my God, yes. I right. want to live to be a hundred, and I'm only sixty-two. Okay, right. But I don't have any control over that part of it. So let me ask you about that. And in terms of um, in terms of people who are struggling with this whole concept of of shedding the mortal coil, uh, uh, if you will. Uh, if they're afraid to die, is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah, and how do you how do you help them to let go of that fear, or I should say, maybe more importantly, work through that fear? Right. <clears throat> well, I I try to get them to uh, read. To um, uh, I'll give them information that I have, and from the book, you know, the psychology of the paranormal, um, and just give them as much information as possible. One of the things that I do give them, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, there's a Netflix special called Surviving Death, and I think it's a couple years old now, and mm -hmm. they have five one-hour shows in there. The first one is on near-death experiences, and they're all PhDs who have had near-death experiences, and that's lovely, but I would like everybody to know, hey, you can have one too, and you don't have to be a PhD. But anyway, but they validated these, so um, you know they're real. They've been tested by all kinds of um, paranormal scientific people. So please watch that show for one hour. 
and mm -hmm. um and you know write down some questions you might have or some things that really um uh you know hit you um that um and which ones did you like because some of those stories are just so beautiful and calm because when you're released from this physical body and that happens going up the vagus nerve which is the 10th and longest nerve in your body from the crown of your head um to your stomach area and um I won't get into all the, the physiological oh, thing of that, except that the vagus nerve starts to vibrate and becomes a highway. And your spiritual body is located that has your soul. You, you have two bodies and that's news. And you ought to write that down. Everybody you have two bodies and, and try to figure out what I mean by that. But the spiritual body holds your soul. And the job of the spiritual body is to take your soul over to the other side because your soul was not born. It was created and it needs to go back there. Um, and now your physical body is created, um, you know, when when you are conceived. So when you are conceived, there's also an atom placed um, in in there and the physical body grows around it. And so the spiritual body is growing as the physical body is growing. But it's a little miniature view of you. And they say it's egg shaped when it comes out of the uh, physical body. Um, and so it's made up of atoms and protons and chemicals and all kinds of stuff. I mean, this hard body here that we're sitting in stays. And then I, this fit, spiritual body goes out the top of your head, up the vagus nerve, out the top of your head. And um, there's a silver cord that also goes out the top of your head. Now, if you're going to die, that silver cord stops vibrating. And then, and then you just go because your spiritual body is not affected by gravity. So you just go up. Mm -hmm. And um, uh anyway now i've forgotten what i was trying to explain to you <laughs> i get so involved in my answer <laughs> about doing um, out of, going out of the body and and not being afraid yeah and so the near-death um show on surviving you know death on netflix can show you how that happens now that's what's so great about the near-death people is that they have been there and came back now only about 25 20 percent of them go and meet their grandmother and see the flowers and the music and all that but that's wonderful that we have 25% that will come back. Some people just leave their body, kind of roam around and come back in um, because the silver cord is does not cut um, or stop vibrating. So the silver cord is very, it says in the Bible that once that is cut, you are deceased. Um, so um, just knowing the process, just like we understand the process of birth, this process of death happens over and over and over again. And I recently talked to a clairvoyant, a medium who's very clairvoyant and had worked on ambulance for 15 years. So she had seen people in traumatic death and just regular death dying in your bed. And um, and she she knows how everything goes up the body. And I asked her if I sent her my book, the paranormal book, would she look at the illustrations and tell me if that's what she sees? And she said, wow, nobody's ever written down what I see and this is it. And she was so pleased um, that that so you have you have illustrations there that actually show the different parts of your body and how it works. Just like being born, there's a way that happens over and over again that you die. And it's easier, I think, to die because I have experienced my original birth through some holotropic breath work that I did at a conference. Mm. And I'll tell you, it's hard coming in because you're pushing and pushing and pushing. And it seems like <laughs> no, it seems like nobody's helping you. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not like you're you're holding onto a rope and someone's pulling you up the cliff, up the the the, the face there. Uh, so my I answer have to-, to you though is they need to educate themselves. And and Freud said so many people are afraid of death; they won't even talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. if that's the problem, they're never going to learn. Exactly. I've had some interesting experiences, not out of body or near death, uh, but I um, I went through LBL. Uh, life between lives uh, hypnosis. And, oh, great. oh, fascinating! And and I've read uh, Newton's uh, uh, two or three of his books and the and the case studies, but I will tell you the first person that comes to my mind when I think about out of body and paranormal and so forth, and this is one of many that starts to come to mind. Edgar Casey. Um, oh, now uh, Ruth Montgomery is another, and these go back to the seventies and early eighties. Right. Right. Um, and it just is fascinating. And then it it even goes further back than that, about 2000, well, not even 2000 years, um, to the story of Lazarus, but then also to the admonition by Paul uh, that it is appointed to every man wants to die and then the judgment. Well, if it's appointed to every man wants to die, what's the deal with Lazarus? Or was that before the rule was put in place? And it also... Um, uh, begs the question, at least in my mind, what is death? And I will tell you that, and we're not going to get into the subject, but in order to, for in my opinion, opinion, observation, in order to resolve the issue of when life begins, you have to know when death begins. If you don't know when the body is dead, is not coming back, that's when you're going to know when life begins. Uh, but I still have that question about Lazarus. Was he dead? Was he in a coma? Was he faking it? I mean, I, See, I, I think he, I have an answer. I sure. think he was in a coma. And, um, but Jesus, I think was a medium. So Jesus, oh, yeah. Jesus could bring people back to life if he was, you know, dead and the silver cord had not been cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole subject is 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 perplexing for a lot of people, and I get that, and I understand it, and I want to be respectful of, of their perspectives as well. We're talking today with uh, Reverend Dr. Karen Herrick, Ph.D., and we're talking about the work that she is doing through a book that is now available for you through her website, KarenHerrick.com, K-A-R-E-N-E. H-E-R-R-I-C-K.com. The book is Psychology of the Soul and the Paranormal, Developing a Richer Appreciation for Life Through Spiritual Experience. One of um, one of the authors that I'm familiar with, uh, uh, Karen, is uh, a Catholic priest from the 30s. His name was Johannes Graeber. Okay. I don't he know. Wrote, yeah. And he wrote a book called communication with the spirit world of God. Okay. But he also uh, channeled uh, the spirit's interpretation, if you will, of the new Testament and wow. specific and a specific passage that ties into what we're talking about. Uh, I think is appropriate to, to mention here. And it says, you know where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Well, in Johannes Graeber's, translation, which I have a copy of, it says, seek ye first communication with the spirit world of God, Mm -hmm. and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, that's wonderful. 
And I thought, okay. And the thing that happened when my sister passed last year, I came to the realization, okay, she's not in the physical body. Now she's everywhere. <laughs> I can, you know, and I may not hear her audibly in my ear or anything, but I can talk to her because she, she's everywhere, just like every other person that I have known who has passed, has left the body. I can talk to. Um, do you help people to learn how to, at the very least, maybe not communicate? In other words, have a literal conversation back and forth at least recognize and accept and maybe begin the process of verbalizing, hey, Jeanette, I really miss you. I I hope you're doing well. I wonder what you're doing. Of course, me going through life between lives therapy, I know what she's doing. Or Right, that's great therapy. Yeah. Uh, and I say she because it's the only reference point that I have. Right. Uh, because that's what, another interesting element, too. There are no... As far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, there are no sexes. There's no delineation between male and female in the spirit world. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and by the way, I did some research, and I remember this from biology class in high school. When we come into this world, every single human being who ever has, will, or has, is, or will exist came into this world and started out in the early stages of development as female yes and it wasn't until the dna information was imparted that then the decision was made or what have you uh male female male female male 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 female female um and i find that you know this whole argument over uh th th this issue of trans you know that's another subject for maybe another day but somehow i feel as though individuals who are on the other side and came into this world I don't know. Maybe they contracted it or I don't know if, if uh, a mistake was made or if, if it was, again, part of the lessons that they're supposed to learn. Any insight on your perspective on that? Um, yeah, just let me uh, correct what I just said about no sex over there. Okay. Um, when um, there is male or female presence, when they come back to the medium. Right. So they can tell whether it's a man or a woman. Right. There's, but there's no physical sex. At right. All. Um, it's just, there's just love there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yes, I think everybody um, makes a contract um, before they come in. I also believe in reincarnation. So we've done yeah. this many times because it takes, as Jung said, it takes more than one life to create a soul. And you have to live many lives and many different personalities in order to, uh, you know, uh, make your soul um, bigger and happier and make yourself known to your soul. And that's what he did um, in his therapy that I love. And uh, he said that uh, you have everybody comes in here with a purpose. So you had a contract. You're going to do this and you're going to um, everybody picks their parents. And I can't believe that, but that's true. And um, that really helped me when I was a parent. I thought you picked me. So now we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, um, and it's all done up there. And then when you come in, you forget it. Now, sometimes you can in a dream, you can see a past life where you can actually, an angel could tell you a little bit about, hey, you're supposed to be going this way. Um, and your name can be called out loud. You can hear that. Uh, so that's a very normal thing. Um, but it takes a lot that and your sister's energy has to be pretty good already over there that she could uh, make it or, or you know, verbalize. 
Um, so yes, we all have a contract. Your job is to come in and find out what the purpose of your soul is. And, and in therapy, as we're getting rid of all the negativity um, that maybe you have in your life and trying to fix certain things, what Jung believed and is that the um, your unconscious becomes smaller and your consciousness greater because we're, we're talking and we're getting all this stuff out, we're writing letters, we're screaming at people, you know, in the chair, that kind of stuff, um, that your soul then can come up from the base of the unconscious and you connect more with your personality and you'll have more passion for life and you'll know more um, about what you want to do and your intuition becomes greater. And that's also given to you uh, intuitive thoughts from spirits on the other side who care about you. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, we're talking today with a fascinating woman. She's done a fascinating uh, work called Psychology of the Soul and the Paranormal, Developing a Richer Appreciation for Life Through Spiritual Experience. She is Reverend Dr. Karen E. Herrick, KarenEHerrick.com. We will be linked to her website as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and... Um, the the conversation we're having right now, Doctor, is um, and I of course I keep jumping around, don't I, to uh, different reference points to you. But <laughs> I did that with my last guest too. He's a doctor, and I kept saying Andy, Andrew, Doctor, uh, cannot make up. Right. Anyway, um, I'm curious um, uh, as to the, the the this aspect we talked about, life between lives. Like I said, I think of, and I have to say that people like an Edgar Casey in particular, and I know there are others as well, uh, who have in their personality, they have a particular belief system. He was a born-again Christian, and yet he chose to have these channeled experiences. And what that says to me is it doesn't matter what a person actually believes per se, if there's an experience they're having, and I've interviewed a born-again Christian who practices out-of-body experiences, it gives me hope for the future of mankind because it says that many people, and we all believe differently, I mean, you and I, we could call, our same, uh, call ourselves exactly the same thing. Oh, yes, I believe in that philosophy. That's mine. Right. But if you're experiencing... Uh, seeing spirits in your room and they're right. embodying your parents, your sisters, your brothers, your friends, what have you. And I'm, uh, let's just say, doing out-of-body experience. Um, it says, oh, then you and I, we may have that fundamental belief, but we're also open to expanding our awareness beyond what it is that we currently believe until we can realize that, oh, that belief no longer serves me. Took me five years. I worked for a Christian radio station and it took me five years to release myself from the concept and the beliefs surrounding the devil mm. and hell. Because it didn't make any sense. Because what it does, with, in my opinion, on my observation, okay, I'm not putting this on anybody else and I want to be respectful, it makes God out to be an extortionist. You are going to do it my way or else you're going to hell. 
and you're going to burn in fires and so on and so on and so on. Um, and that's, again, that's for me. That is, I don't, I don't put that on anybody else. Let me ask you about that in terms of people who you work with and, and even some people that you've studied and, and through your research and how their belief systems have changed through some of these experiences. Uh, yeah, well, what I think happens is that um, they get to realize that heaven and hell are really more energy states than anything. Um, so that if you go up to the other side and you're um, you've committed suicide per se, um, sometimes um, somebody who's committed suicide is very depressed and into this is going to show them nobody gave it to me enough and blah blah blah. So they're they're so involved in uh, their self reflection of how horrible it was. That's hell. Um, so they get up there, and there are spiritual guides and angels who are always there for anybody uh, to help them see what happened, uh, see what their contract was and how they did not fulfill their contract. In fact, the first thing that you you do in the first three days of death is you have a life review on the other side. Yeah. And yeah. so they say it's like a movie of your whole life. And sometimes it's from other lives too, so that people have come back, the near death people that have had this review and said, oh, I had three other lives. So now I believe in reincarnation which they didn't believe before they went up. Uh, so you have a life review and you see your life um, as, in a perspective of how you hurt other people or, or made them happy, right? So it has to be a very humbling experience. And there's no judgment up there. The only judgment is you judging that. And then they try to work with you as to what the contract was and you know what happened. And uh, so, and then heaven is up there because it's all love and there's no duality like down here down here is duality that's what people come here for the good and the bad and your messy life that you're it's your job to figure out and make unmessy uh, so that you can be happier mm. it reminds me of the movie with meryl streep and albert brooks defending your life oh i and, love that movie uh, absolutely and i i love meryl's character who is just having, and this sounds like an oxymoron, just having the time of her life. <laughs> and Albert is freaking out yes. because he thinks he's going to be judged. That's right. In fact, it is, as you just stated, it is nothing more than, it, we're just reviewing. We're just taking a look back and seeing what you did. There's no mm -hmm. judgment here. Um you know, I have to say that when I went through the life between lives therapy, I still remember that the the life right before this one. I almost wish I could go back to that one, but I tell the story of how I was on a farm, I had a farm and cattle and so forth, a small, small farm, and it caught fire and everything burned to the ground. And I just happened to have a cabin up in the mountains. And then I find myself up there and I walk out the front door of the cabin and I sit down in the chair and um this is where it gets kind of interesting i sit back in the chair uh, tip my hat back and i just sit there going oh it's been a good life it's been a good life and then i just leave i just leave and i knew all the people in the town associated with the farm and and had good relations with everybody and it was just it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm going, that's what I want. I don't want any more of this drama and this craziness. And, you know, it's like, and I, 
I'm not saying that I run away from it, but it's like enough already. You know, you want to get into an argument and and you want to do that. And I did that at the Christian radio station because you know I was trying to get my point across. Right. It's like, it's not worth it anymore. It's just not. And I just don't want to go there. Now right. you say we come here because we want to experience the duality. And I have been for the last 10 years, by the way, been doing this program for 15 interviewing for over 40. And, um, I, um, I basically uh, have come to the conclusion that there is no duality. And the reason I say that is this. If you take a look out into the universe, you see how the universe functions. You see what happens out there with with supernovas and things colliding and things building and growing and going small and black holes, all this stuff. There's no judgment out there. That's just what happens. That just, it is what it is. And if you now turn inward, to the microscopic world, you see kind of the same thing. My personal belief is that the inner and the outer worlds, macroscopic and the microscopic, are mirrors of each other. But there's no judgment there either. It's like the, the COVID virus, the way they portrayed it, you know, they showed it. There's no judgment there. It's just doing what it does. Right. Just like the red blood cells, white blood cells are just doing what they do, et cetera, et cetera. But when we come to this, what I call the mid-crow <laughs> world, there's all this judgment. And it's like I've come to the, I, I haven't incorporated or grokked it into my being, but this it's just what it is. There's no judgment here. These are just experiences that we are having. They're not good or bad. Uh, I even ch was challenged and I made the statement to someone about mistakes. Right. I've never made a mistake in my life. I have only had learning experiences. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, that people would say, well, I've had bad things happen to me. So have you learned from them? <laughs> right? That's that's the key, right? Yeah. And we're yeah. given that so that we learn. And some of them seem like so uh, phenom not phenomenal, but so huge that we're never going to do it. But step by step, and having positive thoughts and getting some help because some people just need some support. And may, many times that's just, you know, um, a willing ear, you know, that will listen to them and then give them some, um, you know, positive advice. I used to go to mediums and I got to a point where when I would go, I wasn't going there to ask them questions that I did not already have the answers to. I hadn't yet completely trusted my intuition, which is what I want to talk about. I was going there to get confirmation, not to get answers, but to get confirmation of what I already knew. It's like, I just, I just need to, uh, a little nudge. Okay. I'm getting there where I'm starting to trust my friend. That's what I call it. Uh, right. But I'm not quite there yet. So could you just give me a little, you know, and now it's like second nature to me. And I don't take it for granted. Right. Um, if I'm driving or if I'm in a, pro I'm doing a project or whatever the case might be, it's like, oh, that way. Okay. And away we go. Um, I've even had situations and I share this too with folks about, that's why we talk about the, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask people to go within. And I share this uh, story with them where I had this prompting to do something in regards to my finances. 
And I'm going, no, no, that is totally contrary to my plan for, for my economic uh, well-being. And it wouldn't, it just persisted. It wouldn't go away. Right. And finally, all right, okay, I will, I'll do it. And I did it. And when it was all said and done, a few days later, I realized had I not done that, things would have been much worse in that respect. Right. So I say that your your still small voice, whatever you want to call it, will challenge you, but it will not put you in harm's way. Do you believe that? Oh, absolutely. I have a quick story if we have time. Yes. Um, yes. I was at a conference in New York City um, years and years ago. And, um, you know, when you go to a conference, you have your best clothes. And I always had a portable computer and my best jewelry and all this stuff. Anyway, after a few days, um, a friend of mine, we get all this stuff in the car. And we're going to go down uh, to lower Manhattan to have um, to the village to have lunch. And so we get there and we find a parking spot in, on the street. And when I get out of the car and look at the car, I have this thought, this car is going to be robbed. So I say to my friend, you know, I think we should go back. Go to, let's go to New Jersey and eat on the water. And, you know, oh, come on, we, we got a parking spot and we're going to go shopping. And come on, it's not going to be robbed. OK, so I allow myself to be talked out of that. And um, so we come back, put the stuff in the back seat. We get home, lift the trunk. It's completely empty. All my stuff, you know, my favorite thing. So anyway, so I had this angry thought that that's that small voice of mine. It's it's too light. It needs to be, it needs to be, um, you know, louder. <laughs> and, then, and then after a couple of days, I thought, no, Karen, you need to be quiet. <laughs> And you need to listen because you had the answer. But that really helped me so that now I, I know what's intuitive and what isn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if everybody has something like that, but you just have to keep practicing and you make mistakes by saying, oh, yeah, that's the way to go. Let's go that way. And uh, how come? And just keep keep track of that. How many of your, um, you know, your ideas were good, you know, this week? And how can we, um, you know, get more intuition? And I think, of course, it's, through being quieter and um, not having so much mental activity. Um, it, you know, when I had my uh, breathwork um, session where I felt this Holy Spirit go through me, uh, what they, they told me was, don't think, just breathe. Mm -hmm. And that's a good idea for all of life. Don't, don't think, just breathe, go out and do gardening, take the dog for a walk, sit around and just, you know, enjoy the music. Don't, don't do anything. And your intuition will get better and better the more that you spend with yourself. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, the more we uh, trust, and the only way we're going to learn to trust is to trust. You know, I mean, and to know, make mistakes, though. True, true. You're going to learn. Mean, that was a big. It was a big mistake, right? Yeah. The story I tell of my intuition, aside from the one I just shared, was uh, I used to bicycle everywhere when I lived in Phoenix. And I uh, was living at that time in a trailer. And I was about, I don't know, five or six miles away from the transmitter site. That's where we broadcast from back then. And <clears throat> so there I am. I'm bicycling away, pedaling along. And this was out in the middle of farm fields, which were a mile square. Okay. And so I'm tooling along. The street was actually called Van Buren. And I'm tooling along Van Buren. And I'm crossing 67th, 75th, coming up on, uh, getting ready to come up on the station. And all of a sudden, the prompting says, turn left at the corner. 
and then go up and then turn right and then go to that corner and turn right and then go to that corner, turn left and continue on Van Buren. And I'm going, but that's going to take me three miles out of my way. I went half a mile down Van Buren past where I was supposed to turn left. The prompting would not go away. I turned around. I went back to that intersection. In this case, I made a right. Then I made another right at the next corner. I made another right at the next corner. I made a left back onto Van Buren and continued on my way. I have no idea why. Other than the still small voice or my friend was saying, do you really trust me? Really? Right. <laughs> there's no there's no accident you're going to avoid. You know, there's nobody you're going to come across that's this, that, or the other thing. This is a test of trust. And uh, that's something that you, you are talking about as well when you're listening to that still small voice inside, right? Yes, absolutely. And you're getting that information from your guardian angel or spirit guides or your deceased loved one. They're sending thoughts to you. Mm. And one of the things um, Jung had a, when he was doing his dream work, he had a guru called Philemon. And Philemon said to him, you know, you're such an arrogant person. You think <laughs> that every thought in your head is yours. And that's not true. So that's another thing to kind of think about. Is that my thought or are they sending me that thought? Well, that's you, have, you have to have faith that somebody is sending it. Yeah, and that brings up a book that I have carried with me. It was given to me by at the age of 21 by a dear friend of mine who has also passed. I knew her for 40 years. And it's called The Impersonal Life by James Banner. Okay. It was written also in the 30s. And it okay. talks about that very thing in one of the chapters. You think that what you're thinking is yours. That's right. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's mine. And so on and so on and so on. Uh, fascinating stuff. We're talking with Reverend Dr. Karen Herrick here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, uh, Reverend Doctor, I thank you so much. I love talking with a fellow Reverend Doctor. It's so wonderful to be with you um, and to talk about this subject. I'm hoping that folks will go to your website, which is KarenEHerrick.com. We will be linked to your website and people Great. can find out more about the work that you're doing. Pick up a copy of your book, which we encourage people to do. The title of her book is Psychology of the Soul and the Paranormal, Developing a Richer Appreciation for Life through spiritual experiences. By the way, uh, uh, my mother asked me once if I'd ever had any. And I said, well, I wouldn't know. Uh, because if I did, to me, it was probably normal. I think about that in terms of, for example, Jesus, the things that he did. They were just normal to him. They were no big deal. He, right. he knew how to do them and he just did them. So if I have had them, I don't know that I've had them. Um, but I sure as hell am having a great time in this life. And I want to thank you for being a part of my life and this program. I really do appreciate it. Well, you're entirely welcome. And I've had a lot of fun talking to you. And I have three final questions for you. I ask all my guests as we wrap up this uh, edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, those three questions are in this order. Number one, who is Karen E. Herrick? Uh, let's see. I am a mother, a grandmother, and a great grandmother. Uh, I am a therapist. I am a friend. Uh, I am 
responsible, um, and I have a good sense of humor. What is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to teach people how to have a more positive life. And finally, what was your best day? Oh, I do think I did this once. Uh, my best day is kind of wandering around in a trance, like at a museum or out in the woods, and um, just enjoying myself, maybe having a good sandwich in my backpack and coming home to my dog and relaxing. That's my best day. Very cool. Well, uh, Reverend Dr. Karen E. Herrick, I thank you so much for being with us here on the program. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to having you back again, because I think that uh, this is a subject, like many of the programs I do, the subjects uh, that needs to be repeated, that needs to be talked about further. And uh, I hope that I uh, hope we can do that one day. Sure. Anytime. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Sunday, uh, Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and we uh, stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We hope you will. Subscribe. We are getting lots of folks who are listening. They aren't subscribing, and that's okay. The numbers are not important to me, folks. You have to understand, truly, they are not. Uh, if I only had one subscriber, and it was me, but if I saw that there were a lot of folks listening and watching the, the interviews, that's what's important is that the, the information is getting out there. So uh, maybe click notification so that you get notified when a new interview is posted. We also ask that if you uh, would like to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, it's easy to do. The 2020s is the time period that we're talking about right now. Uh, but uh, we ask you to go within, sit quietly in that still, quiet, calm, peaceful space, and listen to and follow the promptings of the still small voice, whatever your, whatever your name for that still small voice is. And if you'd like to support the work that we are doing financially, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And when you do submit, we ask you to use the email uh, to whom you're sending it to, Richard, at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. With all of that being said, thank you so much. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. And Jeanette, yes, I am still listening.